Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes. Today, we are recapping Dark Season 3, Episode 2. This one is The Survivors. I'm here with my co-host for my Dark Recaps. As usual, you know her from one of my stories, her website, and she's also the Facebook moderator for the Dark Dark Ways group. That's probably what it is. Yep, it's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, Steve. We're just surviving in the apocalypse. (laughs) It's not even the apocalypse yet, and I still feel like I'm in survivor mode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How are you, Lindsay? I'm doing good. We're, I shouldn't say, I was like, it's the, it's a holiday week. We don't have to Mm -hmm. say what holiday it is, just in case this gets released (laughs) earlier or later. But yes, uh, we're having, I have a short work week, so that's kind of fun. So today right. was my last day of work for the week, and it's only Tuesday. Oh, that's sweet. Okay, yeah. Should be that way for me, too, but I got to work tomorrow. And yeah, I'm going to drop, I'm going to name drop this holiday. We are. Uh, this episode will probably be released on Thanksgiving 2023. Um, and yeah, this, this ties in with Survivor Mode. I just found out today, like just a couple hours ago, that I will be hosting Thanksgiving about 20 people at my house um not prepared oh my in the least bit so please pray for me listeners um (laughs) i hope this all goes well because i'm a serious introvert and i'm very anxious about this and heather's very anxious about this but (laughs) i guess we'll get through it can't be any worse than um than ulrich's anniversary party right well ulrich's anniversary or the funeral that we get to see oh yeah at Tron's house. Yeah, we'll have nothing like that scene. I hope nothing like that goes down where Heather takes that moment to yell at me about something. <laughs> something really personal and intense that makes everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, that's so 20 happen. people. That's, that's intense, though. That is intense. May the force be mm-hmm. with you. <laughs> Thank you. We're scared. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, we've been talking dark already today. We were talking with... um. With Tash, we've been talking about some stuff for, from season two, and uh, I know we're going to get on to season three here. Um, I heard something about the unknown. What did I hear about him today, Lindsay? What do you got to bring up about that fella? Yes, la- last week you talked about the fact that how much you hate the unknown. You don't like him mm-hmm. as a character. Yeah. But one thing I didn't, I meant to point out in the first recap and I'll remind people when we get to it because we see them in this episode as well Mm -hmm. Um, this episode we see the unknown at least once and one thing I'm finding interesting is so far whenever the unknown speaks he speaks in quotes the only thing he says are quotes some of them that were Mm used at the beginning of the episode. But it's almost like he doesn't have part of his character's lack of agency is Mm. that he only speaks, seems to be speaking the thoughts of others. I believe last episode he made the quote, he said the quote that like Noah did, nothing is wasted. He used that quote. So anytime he's opened his mouth so far, he only speaks in quotes. Interesting. That's, that, that seems correct. 
He also like, you know, you're talking about his agency and how he is. He just hangs out with himself, um, his older self and his younger self. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems like that older, younger and middle-aged self all have the same mannerisms. We haven't heard his older or younger self speak, right? Like the we young have, kid didn't I think, talk to Bernie. I think the young one might have spoke last episode when he hung out with Byrne for a little bit before the other two showed up. I don't remember him saying anything. That's what I was, um, you know, really racking my brain about. Because, um, yeah, he, I, I imagine if we hear them speak later, um, I don't remember if we do or not, but I wonder if they're going to be speaking quotes as well. That's That's really neat. I want to see if that's consistent. <laughs> he d- doesn't have any, like of his own thoughts or his own um own i don't know impetus of himself he's just yeah well there's this whole allegory with the play ariad ariadne and the unknown could be like the minotaur or the the monster in the maze and so there's this concept of a play within a play so one of my thoughts is, is the unknown almost like a character in a play? And so that he's almost like a generic. Um, we didn't we never did our episode on Tenant, Steve. But for instance, Correct. <laughs> that the lead character's name is the protagonist. And right. so he's almost like an archetype for a character. So I was thinking the unknown could be sort of an archetype in that he's in that character He's been given a character or a personality almost rather than having something of his own. So I just found that really interesting. And I'm wondering how it will play out the, the rest of the time we see him. Will he always be saying these quotes that we've heard throughout the show? I'm glad you brought this up because it gives me something to look forward to when I see him. Because when I see him, I just feel like this, like, oh, is this guy again? <laughs> so now I can like be like, okay, let me see what he's got to say. <laughs> so that's, I'm glad I like, I'll like kind of reverse my, my way of thinking. And maybe he won't be my least favorite every episode. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're ready to get on to the recap. Is that correct, Lindsay? I think we're ready. I think we're going to talk about the unknown pretty soon here. Oh, I really <laughs> hope he's in the first scene. Is he? <laughs> no, I don't think he is. Oh, darn it. I can't wait to see that scoundrel. <laughs> All right, so season three, episode two, The Survivors. The episode opens with the familiar image of Marta and Jonas in the throes of sex. And something I wondered for the first time last night as I was watching this episode, Steve, which Mm -hmm. I haven't wondered before, is, uh, is that a body double? I know it doesn't matter, but I, I'm like, is that really I, Lewis Hoffman's shapely bum? Or It's funny because I was thinking the same thing, too. <laughs> I was like, I do not think he's that shapely. I do think this is a body double. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't right. going to bring it up at all, but, you know, since you pointed it out, I thought about it, too. <laughs> Just a fun fact for us to open up yeah. with. Okay, so Marta's... Wait, wait, before we go oh, on, though, go why... If that's the case, we should hate him because, you know, Francisca and Marta and Hannah and like Ulrich and everybody else is like, it's obviously their body because we get full mm-hmm. body shots. So what is Louis scared? What's, what's going on, Louis? <laughs> well, normally we see him in the, we definitely can tell it's him, 
sometimes it you don't see the, one of the person's face, but eventually we'll see him. But this was the first moment where mm -hmm. I almost thought it was um, on, uh, you know, Stranger Jonas. It just, it didn't okay. look like him. So, yeah. But we I have, agree. there are other times we have seen him in the actual mm -hmm. episode. But I think we're getting a little bit in the weeds here about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to move on. Yes. <laughs> Okay, Marta is enjoying the moment, but then sees flashes of images like bloody hands holding the St. Christopher's pendant, herself in the yellow raincoat with blood splatters everywhere, washing the blood off her hands and holding the hands of someone who is dead. Alt-Marta wakes with a start. She's in World 1, 1888, with the cut under her left eye. Any thoughts before we? <laughs> oh, um, I think all those images that they uh, they showed us, I don't think we've seen any of those images yet. So I think that's just stuff to yet to come, I suppose. So um, that's all I had to say about that. I'll let you move on to somebody creepily watching her like people like to do in the <laughs> show. <laughs> and in this room, or at least in this building... We've seen different <laughs> right. people hanging out in the chair, lurking nearby. So Stranger Jonas sits in a chair nearby, and like you mentioned, Steve, it's a very clear allusion to how Adam was sitting nearby when young Jonas was there, or Noah was there when young Jonas. So people sit in this room, and now it's Stranger Jonas sitting in the chair nearby, waiting for Alt Marta to awake, just like Adam and Noah did to young Jonas. Mm -hmm. This image was a little confusing to me because the bed is pushed up against the right side of the wall. Mm -hmm. But then I thought, okay, maybe this is in another bedroom, like perhaps the bedroom on the other side of the building because this isn't yeah. the bedroom that Yo stranger Jonas sleeps in which is probably the same bedroom so that at first initially it was confusing to me because I was wondering mm -hmm. why the bed was pushed up on that side of the wall when that was the mirror world's side right. of the wall for when Martha exactly. woke up but I think it's just another bedroom on the other side of the house that's the exact same image I got too because I know like how they build these old houses like you know like our house is like that as well like we have identical like little closets on the side and the bedrooms are kind of identical on each side, but it is confusing, especially when they just showed us last episode, this mirror world where things were opposite. Now they're doing the exact same thing and mm -hmm. maybe they're having fun with us because obviously we both noticed that and commented <laughs> on it. I, I wrote it down to comment on it too. So, I mean, I think they're throwing at us intentionally. They're messing with us. We're so in sync. We're both thinking about <laughs> Lewis's butt and the side of the room the bed's on. All right. So <laughs> Stranger Jonas is looking at the letter that T. Noah gave him before the apocalypse, supposedly from Marta. He puts it back in his pocket and tells her to get dressed. Nearby, a chair holds a set of era-appropriate era clothes. I'll let you continue. I don't have much to interrupt yeah. there. <laughs> Again, fun little repeat when Adam said get dressed to Jonas and had his raincoat khakis and white shirt. 
Yeah, I was thinking, like, you know, didn't you learn from that, Stranger Jonas? Like, when Adam did that to you and gave you clothes and said, get dressed and walked out of the room? Like, why did you want to mirror that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why not a good morning? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's showing that... It's mood that, setting. Well, the theme that there are these fates and the cycles and the repeating Absolutely. images. Yeah. Yes, I understand. I'm I'm having fun, I but I do understand. Like I and I love all the similarities. I love pointing them out and and doing the yeah. Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio meme every time it happens. <laughs> so Marta comes downstairs wearing the clothes and enters the laboratory. <laughs> the laboratory. <laughs> Inside, Stranger Jonas stands with Bartosh, Magnus, and Francisca. As promised, he saved them, and all four safely arrived in 1888. Nice. <laughs> yeah. They stare in wonder. How long have they been there now? Since in other parts of the episode, it's September 22nd. More than mm -hmm. likely, it is here, too, and it's been a little over three months. That this seems right to me, too. This my calculation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Magnus comes forward to hug her. They all look genuinely happy to see her. But then Stranger Jonas throws cold water on the whole thing and informs them that this isn't the Marta they know. She confirms this truth, but she's there to make things right so that you don't die in my world and I don't die in yours. It's all very confusing for everyone to understand, but I feel a little better for Alt Marta than I did for Jonas. At least here they know who she is. In World 2... Jonas doesn't exist, so everyone treated him like a pariah, and Jonas mm -hmm. didn't receive the same welcome that Marta does here. Right. Everybody's like, woohoo, hey, remember me? <laughs> she has to be like, no, I'm not the same person you think I am, which, sure, it is really confusing for them because at this point, they haven't experienced it like we have. They haven't seen her yet, so they just assume it's her time traveling just like them right mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it has to it has to be about three or four months because um they're fitting into the era that they're in at this point like they all have like era appropriate like haircuts and clothes and stuff they've been working for this guy apparently but i'm i'm excited that we went back to 1888 um it reminds me of 1899 and it made me wonder if maybe like at the same time they were filming this because this is like season three. So they were like ramping down dark and they were getting ready to ramp up 1899. So I wonder if they did, mm -hmm. you know, their research like a two for one special, like while they're researching that era kind of stuff and getting costumes ready, they can do the same thing. I mean, they got Stranger Jonas right there. They can just <laughs> measure him and get his clothes ready for the. <laughs> For the next show, 1899. <laughs> I just think it's really neat that that's the year that it is. And for numerologists out there, uh, 1888, if you spell it out like in Roman numerals, it's like the most amount of Roman numerals that any year can possibly be um, that we've lived in so far. Um, because it's like it's 13 Roman numerals is in the year 1888. So I thought the 13 was very significant. 
Okay, cool. And I'm glad you changed that word to Roman because I was going to ask if Roman numerals was different <laughs> than Roman numerals. <laughs> Roman noodles? <laughs> what I just said. Um, I wonder actually if it is better for, I was thinking, okay, now on the one hand, Jonas, when he went to World 2, I'm still thinking about this. When Jonas went to mm -hmm. World 2, nobody knew who he was and that's really sad. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, he was able to walk around and sort of be invisible. Mm -hmm. Whereas then Marta has to deal with this person <laughs> that looks like her brother that's all happy to see her and hugging her. And she's kind of like, uh, what's this? You know, I'm not who you think I am. So wonder which one, if it really is better to be one than the other. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on the situation. Both of them are apparently um, startling and <laughs> mm -hmm. and bad, it seems. Um, hey, Bartosh's hair doesn't look so bad here in 1888. I was actually thinking Bartosh looks pretty good here. Yeah, this is his era. I think this is... No, 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 no. I take that back. 2019 is definitely <laughs> his era because he's got that like... I mean, like in the World One where he's wearing like the leather jacket, had the slick hair always wearing the tight pants and the really nice shoes. I mean, that was like peak Bartosh, but this is second best is like 1888 <laughs> Bartosh. Cause he's kind of like a hipster looking dude. Yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like when we first met Bartosh, he did have a little more of a sense of humor and life. Mm -hmm. And then he became yeah. just like, Marta, you don't seem to like me very much. So that's <laughs> when he went, he went downhill. But yeah, when at the beginning he seemed, you know, he, he was a jokester. Now he did push Francisca around. We didn't like that, yeah, but didn't like yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, Bartosh is looking okay here. Magnus, of course, looks great. Always. <laughs> Francisca looks nice in her in her dress and her updo as well. So I, I think they all now they all did have soot on their faces again. We're dealing with the unwashed look from everybody. But uh -huh. they didn't have probably didn't have running water back then. So <clears throat> is this the part where they're talking and she and they're and they're verbally comparing themselves to the other alt world, or is that later on? Next scene. Next okay. time we see them. I'll hush up then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So then in World 1, September 22nd, 1987, Katerina wakes up at the Conwald house. She's in Mikkel's bed, or we could say Jonas's bed, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. he sleeps in this room in 2020. 2019, 2020, yeah. We see mm -hmm. the Goonies poster and the tennis player Boris Becker on the wall, and the little robot that his that Inez yeah. bought. Yeah. <laughs> the alarm goes off and plays You Spin Me Round. We see Familiar. a photo of Inez and Mikkel together. It's reassuring to know that Katarina made it through mm -hmm. the tunnel and is in the 1980s. She walks downstairs and an answering machine goes off. The postmaster leaves a message that he's been trying to reach them for three months. The phone will be cut off if they don't pay the bill next month. Is that what begins Enos's slippery slope of not paying the bills on time? It seems it. <laughs> See, I thought it was because she hated Hannah why she didn't pay the bills, but I think 
She's just a space cadet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm joking, of course, but it it was kind of funny that they were like, we'll just cut you off if you don't pay the bills and got in the (laughs) habit once and just for all time, you're just going to keep that up. Katerina has made missing child posters with a picture of Mikkel's face. She exits the house and we can see broken glass in the window. And this must be how Katerina entered the house. The same way she did um, <laughs> in season two, right? <laughs> she yep. loves She'll breaking break glass. In. <laughs> now, this super confused me. Um, when I first watched it, this is the, this is the bad thing about like watching the whole show and then going back and like detail watching it because mm-hmm. I couldn't, rem- I was like, where is Mikkel and Inez? Why are they not there? And like, I was, I paused the show at this point, ran and got my pile of notes over there. Cause I keep <laughs> every note. And I was looking through all the season two notes. Like, where did we leave off with these guys? And mm-hmm. like the last we left off with them was, of course, when Ulrich like tried to kidnap Mikkel away and mm-hmm. uh, Mikkel didn't say anything. And that happened. So um, they explain later on what happens to them. But at this point in the show, I was deeply confused as to why Katarina was there, but Mikkel and Inez were not. But all of Mikkel's stuff was there. I think it's really neat the way they uh, they threw it together because it's it's meant to be confusing. And um I mean, maybe it's not mean, meant to be confusing, but it's meant to be like a storytelling device that um, rewards rewatches, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, later we see, um, or earlier we saw Jonas doing this same thing in the apocalypse. So there's this right. recurring theme of people seeking haven in this house. And so, yeah, it was visually unsettling. I I totally agree. And I think he's there again. Um, But it it is a little disconcerting at first because we're trying to remember where is Mikkel and Mm -hmm. Inez and why is Katerina here? What time is she on? uh, Time is she in? So, but like you said, reward Rewatches reward you in doing this, but when you're just watching it for the first time, <laughs> yeah. No wonder me and Heather and Tash and everybody got confused <laughs> when we watched this the first time through. Mm-hmm. And I, the other thing is I was looking at her shirt, this jacket she had on, and I think she wears it for most of the rest of the episode. And I was mm-hmm. like, where did she get this? weird jacket because it's very neon and and bright and i was wondering if it was actually an outfit of of mickles that she has on i don't know but because i do not think she was wearing this jacket when she came uh to the past but yeah i mean i have an idea for Bo and jante if they want to get out of the television business and get into the jacket business (laughs) And open up like a jacket store in every mall. I mean, they would do gangbusters because they got good style. Yeah, there's some really cool clothes in this in this episode. So nearby at the church, we see the grave of Mads Nielsen. Some now, this isn't the same grave, of course, that we saw in 2020 that had the. You know that mm-hmm. it wasn't a Yanti- tombstone, right? Well, I'm saying Yantia. That's not correct. Y- Yana, 
she had she she tells us later in the future we find out that they had this burial but she didn't want it at the time but Trant thought it would be a good idea for her right so uh flowers and toys are laid out as markers someone at a funeral at the house remarks they made the decision the right decision to make a grave even if the coffin is empty so this is before the tomb we eventually see in 2020 we see Yana at the Nielsen house. She's looking quite numb. The person talking is Herman Albers, Katarina's dad. And oh. he says, at least okay. they have each other, referring to mm. Trant. Yana mm. finds this amusing. She looks over to see Trant talking to a few friends. She raises a glass to Trant, mocking him and herself. Now we can stand hand in hand by an empty coffin and finally get closure. <laughs> Trant comes over to keep Yana from making a further scene. She's drunk, demanding he admit where he was the night that Mads disappeared. She reveals he was with Claudia Tiedemann that night. She then accuses him of spending more energy looking for his mistress than his son. Wow. Trant tries to play dumb, but Yana dumps <laughs> his bag onto the floor, his messenger bag, which is stuffed full of clues about Claudia's disappearance. The news headlines read she's been missing since June 26th, the day her father was found dead. I mean, Jana is absolutely correct to be like beside herself about this because he's holding out this hope that Claudia is still alive and still searching for her, but he has an empty grave for his son signifying that he's given up looking for him hmm. and his uh, I don't know. I, I can't blame Yana for that, for that, because it, if you compare the two things together, it just looks terrible for him. Yeah, that's absolutely, I didn't think about it that way that by, I knew he was spending, seemed to be spending more energy looking for Claudia based on what Yana says, but I didn't think about the fact that that means he's given up on his son. Yeah, there's no empty grave for Claudia. He's still holding that hope. Mm -hmm. I did find it yeah. interesting that we have we don't recognize anybody besides Herman Al Albers. There is nobody <laughs> at this party that I recognize. Yeah, um, who from could, who could be here that we would recognize? Egon could be here, perhaps, but I don't know. I guess he doesn't hang out with them. That crowd. <laughs> No, maybe Egon, Egon should be well, there because he's no, the cop and like he is the cop. But remember, they all hated him because he arrested Ulrich right. for that false charge. Um, That's true. That's about true. the rape, and they okay. and Yana came and spit on him or something at the police station. <laughs> That's right. Okay, yeah, good call for not showing up. Egon. Yeah, the okay. Nielsens and the Tiedemans hate each other in every generation. Right. Well, let's, you know, except their kids hang out, though. That's interesting how that happens. But, well, even then, like, there's a lot of tension between Bartosh and the, uh, yes. and the Nielsen kids. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Did you, did you have any thoughts about this being Katarina's dad? <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was interesting that they brought I him back. I didn't even realize that it was him. Even, like, when I read your recap and you, and you wrote in that it was... Etc. 
what's his name again? <laughs> Albers. Her Herman <laughs> Albers. Did, nope. I didn't recognize him, so I'm glad you pointed it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only thing we saw him before was, um, you know, he's trying to figure out why his sheep are all dying. Yeah, we're and that's like that's like nearby around town. So, mm -hmm. yeah, she could pop in and say hey if, if she wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dad, what's up? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, okay. I'm, I'll I'll put a I'll put a pin in that, and we'll we'll bring up Herman Albers much later because we we revisit them later on in the in the scene in the show. I mean. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving forward, a figure with rain gear, a backpack, and boots, boots walks towards a building. The entrance has been boarded up. It's September 22nd, 2020, and the building turns out to be the police station. A voice narrates, The world scientists are still seeking an explanation for the events of June 27th, 2020. The epicenter of the global catastrophe is still thought to be the small town of Winden. A French research team believes it is possible that our world stood still for a fraction of a nanosecond on June 27th. Tidal forces may have diverged as a result. This would explain the global spring tides, weather phenomena, and disturbances of electrical systems, which in turn could explain the great number of airplane crashes and the simultaneous loss of power supply to nuclear power plants worldwide, there is no situation, no sign of the situation stabilizing. Wah, 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 wah. It turns Charlie Brown adult voice. <laughs> it does. And the figure ends up being middle-aged Claudia who survived in the bunker. So a few things here. This random bit of narration offers insight that the apocalypse sparked a global catastrophe and scientists all over the world are studying this event. It's fun to think that the little town of Winden has shaken up the world. Also, the voice specifically mentions the research, the French, the research, the French scientists. And considering back in 1987, French delegates kept trying to make an appointment with Claudia. She canceled on them twice. Is it possible the French have been studying Winden all along? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why I wanted you to read that paragraph because I loved it. It's I love that realization. And you're right. She kept blowing off the French and her, her secretary was pissed about that all the time. And even in... Um, the future in Elizabeth's world, there's like weird scientists like going around the power plant, like trying to like figure out what's up and she hangs them in front of everybody. And she like says that they're scientists there trying to like, you know, discover stuff, but this is God that you remember the scene where she hung those scientists, Elizabeth, but how do you know the they apocalypse? were French? I'm taking a wild guess. I'm guessing that, you know, that they've, that they've pinpointed this to wind it and they're still trying to figure it out. You, you know? should not um, be hiding this. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I just think it's a wonderful tie in to everything. And I'm just really hoping that those are French scientists that um, Elizabeth hung. I really hope so. I mean, people. not that I want French people to die. They've they're already dead. I'm just wishing that it ties in with the narrative. That's all. We've just lost our our huge population of French viewers just now. Steve, good job. 
Dang it, dang it. <laughs> I know most of our listeners are overseas too, so I can't afford to lose any French listeners. <laughs> Viva la France is all I got to say. But yeah, this is a fun, I guess, a fun look at like the Chernobyl incident. You know, it's kind of similar that everybody is yeah. seems to have their mm. eyes on Winden and they're trying to figure out what happened? So mm-hmm. this what this event that we've all been watching has made the world stand still and scratch their heads. <laughs> so that's just interesting. And it's cool that Claudia kind of looks like um, Stranger Jonas here. You know, that's what we think it is when we see that <laughs> that mm-hmm. hooded figure. Yeah, it could be Stranger Jonas. It could be Helge. You know, Helge. it's not. But <laughs> we we just see a bot. You know. It's raining and they're walking forward with this drab rain gear on. So we're wondering, who is it? And it turns yep. out that it's Claudia. And I actually thought she almost looks Charlottish here <laughs> because mm-hmm. she's not wearing any makeup. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, later we see we see Charlotte later. But um, but yeah, the French did keep trying to make an appointment. Were they were they on to mm-hmm. what was going on? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. everybody's being regulated by somebody. <laughs> okay. So Claudia pulls a box of Tamoxifen 40MG out of her backpack. A quick check reveals that Tamax, <laughs> I probably said that, Tamoxifen is probably what it is. Tamoxifen. Yeah, there you go. It's a hormone therapy drug to treat breast cancer. Because when she first pulled out this medication, I was like, what is this? Is this, is this assisted mm-hmm. suicide? You know, what is she doing? Um, Good call. So Claudia is trying to help Regina with this medication because we know she has breast cancer. Regina is lying on a cot nearby. Claudia holds her hand for a minute and puts the box of medication nearby so she can reach it. She tells Regina she will return shortly. Regina is upset that she's leaving already because she just arrived. And Claudia promises to be back before the sun sets. Yeah, 15 seconds. Hi, bye. (laughs) In this world, the apocalyptical world, I think she can hang out for five, at least. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why did she even come back just to drop off this box of this small box of medication? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, she was on like all kinds of machines and like before the apocalypse hit, like she was, you know, a sick patient. Now she's got nothing. So yeah, she needs those meds. Mm. It's pretty important. So absolutely. But yeah, you could stick around a little bit, Claudia, but yeah, she's got stuff to do, I guess. She's a busy woman. Yeah. I thought this was sad because I was remembering when we kind of when we last saw Regina she had that episode where her mom appears out of nowhere and after 33 years and says please come with me to this bunker and then Regina is is in tears crying like why did you leave me mama and Claudia is just like oh Regina sorry you know and she hugs her and all that but then so even though Regina technically has her mother back again, she's being left by herself in this 
in this place, in this police station. Yeah. And in the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. And Bartosh, you know, left her. Alexander, mm-hmm. of course, it wasn't his fault. And then he got killed in the apocalypse. But Regina's been left a bunch of times. It kind of reminds me how, you know, Stranger Jonas, Hannah abandoned him. So there's a lot of abandonment happening here. I especially yeah. feel it for Regina knowing that, like, Alexander's not around because, like, mm-hmm. they're like the, you know, the number one, like, great couple that doesn't have any issues <laughs> between themselves in this show. Like, you know, it seems like they have a real wholesome love for each other. So, mm-hmm. you know, just knowing that he's not around anymore for her, probably, you know. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that, like, it's this younger version of Claudia that's, like, taking care of her. And, um, you know, a, a double time traveled version. So, yeah, everything's got to be really disconcerting to Regina right now while she's laying there on her on her cancer bed with this mm-hmm. woman who <laughs> traveled through time and then the apocalypse happened and mm-hmm. mostly being left alone. Yeah, that's yeah. That's it kind of makes you wonder why Regina and Claudia and Peter and Elizabeth. And maybe even Noah, who knows? Like, why didn't they form a found family? Because they all survived in the bunker together. And yeah. they could have, I mean, Peter and Elizabeth are dealing with similar dynamics where they're all each other has. You know, they they only have each other. And Regina and Claudia have that, but at least Peter's around. And Claudia's not even that. So yeah, just think Yeah, Noah could be really helpful in this situation. If like they, if they formed like a union, like you said, ideally, yeah. like if we forget about all the other like animosity and stuff going on or surrounding them, just five mm-hmm. people that survived. Absolutely. They should be like, if not in the same area, like, you know, at least nearby where they're checking in on each other, especially yeah. one of them being with, okay, you got a small child and then you got someone with cancer that needs help. And then mm-hmm. you got three able-bodied people. so it's like i don't know it it seems like a no-brainer you're right but they they all went their own ways i guess peter peter's always off by himself so i guess he's just like an isolationist i'm kind of isolationist myself so i may go that route me and charlotte Mm -hmm. just hanging out over here y'all and yeah maybe they don't trust noah i don't know yeah later we see you know we see noah and peter elizabeth and this is, again, a, a case where I completely forgot when I first saw this. I was like, well, of course, Peter's going to be skeptical of him because he's a total stranger. But I was like, no, they all were in a bunker together. They had plenty of time to talk and mm-hmm. get to know each other. Yeah. But I guess that didn't happen. <laughs> I guess as soon as like the thing happened, they're like, OK, let's split up. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they did the Scooby-Doo. Let's split up, gang. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving forward, across town, Peter and Elizabeth have been staying in Bernadette's trailer. Both of them come outside in the pouring rain. Peter has a Geiger counter. I wonder where he got that. (laughs) And this shadowy figure is watching them. Claudia. (laughs) (laughs) That's who I thought it was at first, because we found out the other person was Claudia. So I'm like, oh, yeah. it's Claudia's checking in on them. That's was she's actually just my every, initial thought. She's everywhere at once. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So Peter and Elizabeth arrive at a barricade that's been erected in front of the wind and power plant. The sound design is really cool here. There's like this. I was I was like, mm, are those are those sirens or weird birds? It was hard to understand what that was. But. <laughs> I think it was sirens. But yeah, I heard it, too. Yeah. Very mournful sound. You can see the smokestacks or whatever you call those things that are on top of the nuclear power plant have been completely blown off. The top of the plant is gone. Armed guards stand nearby, making sure no one passes the barricade. Peter shows one of the guards his identification. The guard tells him that in five days, all of this will be closed off. The area will be sealed. He chides Peter for putting his daughter through this. Peter just grabs Elizabeth's hand and the man lets them through. He will not be kept from his task. Nearby, the shadowy figure steps out from behind a truck where he's still watching them. He? Yeah. We find out later who it is. So <laughs> <laughs> no mystery there. <laughs> I'm going to back up a little bit. Why mm -hmm. are they staying at Bernadette's trailer instead of like their house? I guess their house got destroyed. So maybe the trailer is yeah. like a convenient location nearby the power plant or something. Well... Maybe it's not nearby. It's far enough away that it didn't get destroyed. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe so. It is on the outskirts of town. It's like yeah. by a truck stop because they always show like trucks going by there. So mm -hmm. I, just, I don't know. I, I, I thought, thought it was, was kind of sweet that we know we know that Peter and Benny were lovers and mm -hmm. that's the last place they were together. So. Yeah. He's looking for a place that's comfortable. Now, maybe that wasn't the best place to take your daughter, but no, they but may I mean, not have know, had a good, another option. If there was no other alternative, yeah, sure. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes if, if you're comfortable, that's helpful because you can help other people be comfortable. Because if you're not comfortable, <laughs> then you can't help in that regard. So, yeah, maybe that's not mm -hmm. such a bad thing. Um, I don't blame the guard for like chastising him about bringing his daughter, but I would like to tell the guard right now, if he's listening, Peter can't leave his daughter alone. Um, so he has to take her with him wherever he goes. It's not mm -hmm. smart to leave her alone. So of course, if Peter's coming, he's going to bring his daughter, dude. So <laughs> ease up on the guy. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say to the guard. Yeah. Plus, this is Elizabeth, future warlord we're talking about here. Ah, <laughs> she's not, she's very precocious. She's, she's not a wilting violet. We, I <laughs> yeah, mean, she's we not a warlord two. yet. <laughs> not yet, but I mean, this is the beginnings of it. Like we see in season two, you know, what becomes of it. And they, they eventually do wall off that plant, but. You know, it's obvious why she became like the leader she did if, you know, mm -hmm. this this was her beginning because everybody seems like they're her age or younger when we see them later on in season two, that is. But, mm -hmm. you know, we're here in season three now. Yeah. <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> but also, Steve, you made the point before that mm -hmm. Yana is upset with Trant because he's given up on finding their son. Peter... Mm -hmm so far hasn't given up on finding Charlotte mm -hmm. and Francisca. And mm -hmm. until he sees the corpses, he's not ready to accept they're dead. So that's, I admire that. 
And I I agree that this guard shouldn't have <laughs> shouldn't have gotten so in, involved. Maybe if he I mean, he doesn't know this, but he didn't know Elizabeth was deaf. But still, you shouldn't really say, I don't think you should. Um, I don't think you should talk to people about their parenting in front of the kid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just saw a bad example of that when I was watching Secession earlier tonight. <laughs> the exact same thing <laughs> happened. The person was a real bastard and like chastise them for their child raising right in front of the child not good <clears throat> yeah all right in 1888 alt marta has been trying to explain her appearance and identity to the teen team <laughs> that she's from a parallel world where mickel still exists and francisca is mute I'm Jonas. <laughs> it was kind of funny because it's pretty much the only line I think she gets to say <laughs> the whole rest of the season. I think she does speak <laughs> at least once more, but still it was like, Jonas doesn't exist and they are all dead because her world ends just like theirs. This one point we can't fact check yet. We have seen right. that these first three items are true, but we haven't yet seen evidence of an apocalypse on world two yet. Right. And yeah, I like I like all this back and forth here. I mean, great stuff. And uh, I don't, yeah, I don't have anything, any other notes other than that I loved it. If you wanted to move on, mm-hmm. yeah, I liked it too. But it was kind of dumb that they that Magnus is like, I'm not dead. I'm here. <laughs> it's like that's right. not how science, that's how time travel works, buddy. You know, like if you're in a parallel world. <laughs> Uh, okay, you understand it, that the Magnus in that world can be dead when you're still alive, right? I mean, we can blame it on the fact that they're in 1888, but I mean, I do, I do know he has like a 21st century mm-hmm. uh, education, so yeah. you should know. <laughs> Stranger Jonas has been listening to all of this silently. He wants to know how she found them. She claims that Jonas told her. Again, not something we saw him do. Mm-hmm. Francisca fact checks her that she said Jonas didn't exist in World 2. Marta then claims that Jonas traveled to her, her world. We did see that. However, we know that Alt Marta was the one that brought Jonas there, and she doesn't share that. <laughs> Stranger Jonas calls bullshit because he's never been to Marta's world. He asks mm. if she wrote the letter. Altmarta says nothing, and Jonas grabs her roughly. Both Magnus and Bartosh instinctively rise to defend her. Jonas demands to know if Adam sent her and what did she use to travel. Good boy. I'm glad these boys got up and uh, <laughs> held our boy Jonas back. He's acting a little <laughs> out of pocket. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a concept, though, that he doesn't remember go into her world yet we clearly saw it last episode where were you last Mm -hmm. episode stranger Jonas we all saw it so that's a really interesting concept so I I, I'm interested to see how um I mean we have seen it but I'm interested to see again how that presents itself and how that explains itself because it makes zero sense (laughs) yeah that you know your your younger self experienced something that your older self has zero memory of unless it's like some sort of like, you know, implanted like 
other type of science fiction, um, mm -hmm. you know, brain removal, <laughs> removal of memories, things like that. Yeah. Um, memories have been wiped or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Tom Cruise came by and did like <laughs> one of his things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's such a cool concept that the the older guy doesn't remember what the younger guy did. So yeah, yeah we're a, we're all a lot trying of big to notes and exclamation points around that. <laughs> yeah, we're all trying to figure out the clues and say like, okay, who's lying here, or did somebody's <laughs> right. memories get wiped, or how does it make sense that Jonas never went to that world? We're all trying to figure that out, and I think it's yeah, yeah, things cool. Um, okay. So just then another figure enters the hall. He accuses them of being late today. <laughs> this must be their employer. <laughs> <laughs> they all seem to know who he is except for Alt Marta. He steps forward to meet her and we see that he's blind. Stranger Jonas walks out without saying a word. The man <laughs> touches Marta so he can see her. I feel like he should have asked permission before he just started groping her, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He senses that she is the reason that the stranger's mood is foul, or at least more foul than normal, which I thought was funny. And he tells her not to be scared and claims he can see things that the sighted cannot. Yeah, nice little parallel there for that for our guy. Yeah, I don't like this guy off the bat, how he grabbed Martha. <laughs> and you know, like, you know, feeling her face like you're saying, and he's not even doing a, a good job of that. <laughs> Have you ever seen a blind person feel someone's face to get a, a you know, a feel for how they look? They don't mm -hmm. do it the way he did it. He just like <laughs> kind of stroked her cheek a little bit. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Francisca and Jonas both kind of bow to the man when he comes in the room. Like I watched it twice and they, they both kind of like demure to this guy. So, um, you know, he's, it's important. Is he wearing his top hat in this scene? I don't, Does he come I in don't with think his top so. hat on? I don't think so. Uh, at some point, we see him with the top hat on. He <laughs> looks really important. And, you know, you're scared of the guy because he looks rich and old and blind. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, not that he, he doesn't seem bad, but he just seems off-putting is what I got to say. Yeah. I don't know. I thought he seemed kindly enough. I mean, he says, you're, you're all late today, but he's not he's not being a bully about it. Oh, that's he's true, just I guess. more he's just more stating as a fact i did i did think it was funny that he kind of calls out stranger Jonas for generally being a grump <laughs> yeah i imagine he is he's probably not fun to work with no he's he probably gets his work done but he's mm -hmm. he's just not ha content with his life <laughs> <laughs> poor guy we can't blame yeah. him <laughs> Okay, we cut to 1987. Katerina passes out flyers in the school hallway. Again, a random adult just showing up at the school. No security whatsoever. It was the 80s. There wasn't yeah. any security back then. They were drinking out of fire. They were drinking out of garden hoses. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, this, this is a terrific scene. So up walks teen Ulrich and Katerina is momentarily shook by his appearance. His nose is broken. Do we know why? No, we don't. Although no. we spend an awful lot of time talking about it. Why <laughs> Ulrich had this broken nose all bandaged up. <laughs> he looks at her curiously and wonders if he knows her. 
Katarina's appearance is just a little scary here. <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of Claudia-like. The old mm-hmm. Claudia. <laughs> Agreed. Her hair's all ratty. Yeah. <laughs> she tries to hand him a flyer. He's wearing the no future jacket. Hmm. He says that maybe the madman got the little tyke after all. <laughs> Uh, Katarina grabs him to ask what he means, but he shakes her off and calls her Typhoid Mary, which is pretty funny of an insult yeah. for that time period. Ulrich's no dummy. He's throwing he's throwing out these cultural references right and left. Right. Most punk rockers are pretty well informed of uh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome worldly events. Yeah. All right. So then, Teen Hannah and Katarina both walk up. The plot thickens. Katarina gives hmm. him, teen Katarina gives him a big smooch. Let's clarify right, which right. Katarina we mean. Hannah tries to interrupt the moment. Older Katarina <laughs> says she remembers this moment as young Katarina. Young Katarina tries not to let this shake her, but it does. Then Hannah tries to be helpful and shares that the madman tried to kidnap Mickle, but he's now at the psychiatric hospital. Again, Hannah's being helpful to a complete stranger, young Hannah. Katarina takes the opportunity to tell Hannah to keep her mitts off both Ulrich and Mickle, and we know she won't. <laughs> like This is like three months after the events of June 87. Now it's September 87. I guess they've been hanging out a bunch at this point. The teen Katarina and teen Hannah. And she mm-hmm. has to watch Ulrich um, kiss her a whole lot. And get jealous a lot, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's you're gonna you're gonna go on to I think some more heartbreaking stuff in just a moment. Um, because Katarina's not done running into people at this point when she comes to school today. Like she gets a real eyeful of everybody. It's 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 really neat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, so no, you're I'm, saying you I'm mistaken. I'm I'm mistaken. I'm rem- I'm misremembering. I'm I'm remembering when Jonas came and ran into Hannah and that's the wrong episode <laughs> and wrong people. <laughs> I'm thinking you're going to come back. Your future self is going to come back to this moment and say, I remember now that I didn't remember correctly. <laughs> Another day and Steve. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, but the, I, I thought this was a great scene. I don't know, maybe you said some stuff when we froze up that I didn't get to hear. But uh, this is great. Uh, Katarina pushing Hannah up against the wall and basically saying, keep your oh, mitts off of Ulrich right. and Mickle. Yeah. What a joy to see that. See like adult Katarina bullying the little girl who hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> Actually just planting seeds in her. Like, oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. And Hannah was just like, oh, yeah, well, if you want to know <laughs> about the madman, here's what happened. Here she's trying to be helpful, and then he just gets yeah. the old push-a-rooney. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, Nobody this Nobody likes the news they get. And, yeah, the madman thing, you know, of course, they're talking about Ulrich, and mm-hmm. Katarina's got those bells going off in her head because she realizes this, too, so... Mm-hmm. Stuff is happening. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the the no future jacket here. It's just it's like a, it's a great scene altogether. So I love it. 
saying. Um, okay, across town, Trant Nielsen wa- waits to be seen at the wind and power plant. Claudia's secretary meets him in the foyer wearing a red dress. She tells him that she's already told the police all she knows. Trant wants to know if the secretary remembers anything strange right before she disappeared. The secretary mentions that Claudia's appearance was less put together that week. She wore an outfit twice. (gasps) And that an old woman showed up about the dog claiming it belonged to her. She noticed the same thing you noticed, Lindsay. Because you (laughs) pointed that out when we were watching Claudia. And you were like, yeah, she's not, you know, she's not done have any makeup. She's not put together. Wearing Mm -hmm. the same outfit. Everybody noticed Claudia. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'd be a good secretary. I could have been uh, Claudia's secretary here. I don't wish that upon you, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have taken over the company <laughs> while she, you know, while she was all gone. I mean, keep some pepper spray at hand in case anybody <laughs> sneaks into your office late at night. Um, but her red dress, do you, um, is there any significance there? It's bright red. And we've mm-hmm. been talking about colors. And what does red usually signify? It's like pay attention or like something's about to happen. Pay attention, passion, desire, um, a, somebody who will travel maybe. A lot of the, like the red dress people end up traveling. Like the red shirt in uh, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think in this case, that's, that's what true. it is. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was it was kind of stunning to see her because I don't think she normally wears red, but Mm-mm. it's almost like, remember, Claudia was, you called her the ultimate red woman. Like when we did the color, <laughs> the color mm-hmm. quiz, you picked Claudia for red. Mm-hmm. And now that Claudia's not there, oh. the secretary, who's Jasmine, it's her name, <laughs> she's sort of had to take over that position. I also... You know, she's pregnant here, and I did sort of wonder, I mean, it's not in the episode, but I'm like, who is the father? And she was the one that um, when they had, when the Claudias, the Claudias were meeting them each other in the office, the older Claudias like, look out the window and see what's happening behind you. And the man in the office was staring at her butt when she leaned Uh over and picked up her papers. And I'm like, is there a is there a sexual harassment lawsuit coming? Yikes. I don't know. I couldn't <clears throat> take it that far, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know what the significance is, other than there needs to be something red in the scene because Trant is looking <laughs> for Claudia. So you know, the closest thing he has is the, is this secretary. <clears throat> yeah. Gotcha. Well, I'm sticking with the red shirt Star Trek thing because it fits in perfectly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so then in 2020, Claudia begins to create the eventual string board. Mm -hmm. She has pictures of Trant herself and other players on the board. Oh, she has a picture of Regina, too. Okay, good. So, yeah, she's creating this, what will begin, become the big string board. Then there's an awkward jump. Well, it's a cool jump, actually, where we cut to Peter, who's looking at a photo board of the deceased. Right. All the people whose corpses have been identified after the apocalypse. He wants to know if the people he loved are dead. Yes, that includes Charlotte and Francisca, 
but perhaps also Bernadette. We see three mm-hmm. photos, an unidentified woman, Benjamin Waller, and Jürgen Obendorf. And we do see, we do see Bernadette. And I felt sad that Benny gets called her dead name on this string board. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess these soldiers would have no way of knowing, though. They can mm-hmm. only go by, like, the ID that they found with the <clears throat> body, I assume. <clears throat> yeah. And if Brandy hadn't gotten to the point, uh, Bernadette hadn't gotten to the point of, like, you know, legally changing their name. So, but yeah, you're right. It is It is not a good thing. And it's, I was, I mean, nothing against Bernadette, but I was really sad seeing Waller, seeing like a death picture of Waller, because he's always mm-hmm. been my guy. Yeah. And the the reason I'm able to say with clarity whose people are because is because their names are actually written underneath. So if you're not completely right. sure, <laughs> you can be like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that's who it is. Yeah, if you don't believe us, go look for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we also see... In another photo, we see Alexander Tiedemann, who died alone in a cell. It doesn't say that, but I'm just, I'm remembering. We remember you, Alexander. He died alone in yes. that cell. And then a man that might be Clausen. Lastly, Wooler. Yeah, I, I could tell it was supposed to be Clausen. Okay. And if he feels grief about Bernadette, Peter does a good job keeping this hidden from Elizabeth. He doesn't really show visibly that any of this shakes him emotionally at all. Right. Instead, he steps forward to ask some employees if they've seen Charlotte or Francisca. He describes what they look like, which I thought was interesting because the photos are in black and white. So how could they tell she had blonde hair or red hair? Um, yeah. Well, I guess they're looking at the corpses. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And they they do the old what's in the stock room response. If it's not on the board, they're not here. That's right. There's no cereal in the back. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, okay, so Elizabeth seems a little shaken, but Peter tries to comfort her. It's good they haven't been found because that means there's a chance they are alive. Right. Uh, maybe they traveled. He allows her to come to that conclusion on her own. But I wondered if Elizabeth believes that or if she's just saying it to make her father feel better so he can believe he's doing his job. Interesting. Yeah. Hidden motives. (laughs) I guess that could be the case um, that she could just be going along with it. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just reading about like decoy letters that they would send like in um, in wars Back in like medieval wars, they would send decoy letters, but the person who would deliver the letter would have like a different set of news for the person that they were handing the letter to that said something completely opposite, just in case the letter was found. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe Elizabeth's doing one of those deals. She's like, she doesn't feel better, but she knows that if she says she feels better, that her dad will feel better. So yeah, (laughs) she's trying to perpetuate the the grief or the, the hope. That's it. Perpetuate the hope. Well, we know that sometimes families are complicated and often, all too often, kids end up in a caretaking role for their parents. And even though it might seem that 
Peter is being the parent here in some ways. Elizabeth is showing, we see later in the episode, it feels like she's almost showing a greater level of the maturity of him. And she ends up rebelling. But up until that point, she's kind of been going along, following his lead and doing what he thought. So I I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're back to the police station in 1987. There's a poster asking if anyone has information about the death of Egon Tiedemann. Another poster about the missing Claudia Tiedemann. Katerina storms in, ready to take names. <laughs> she's <that>. upset. <laughs> she's upset that the police man named Martin Doring dismisses her concerns at once. She has no evidence that she's Michael Conwald's mother. Apparently, Katerina keeps going to the police station trying to get information, but is keeping her identity secret. Right. (laughs) Just like Ulrich, she's not being smart about how to go about accomplishing her goals. Katerina is worried about the man from the psychiatric ward. Martin tells her that they sent Inez and Michael away on purpose to keep him safe. Now, this was not a good job. You don't tell somebody that Mm -hmm. you don't believe that the person they're looking for is actually in witness protection and you know where they are. Uh, the only thing I'm thinking is maybe he was just trying to get her off his back and that yeah. would like, maybe he was thinking that and he's just like desperate to like get her off his back. Mm-hmm. They have different protocols in Germany about witness protection, obviously. And it's the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> He drops that the madman has been locked up for 34 years. This sets off alarm bells in Katarina's brain, and she realizes it might be Ulrich. Okay, I was wrong. She didn't realize that with Hannah. She got a new piece of information with Hannah. So I was wrong when I made my point 10 minutes back. So (laughs) scratch that from the edit, Steve. All right. (laughs) Your future self will tell you. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, this was that was a funny scene. Um and I feel like again they're they're making this they're make they're mirroring Katarina and Ulrich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so especially then, their their manner of going about <laughs> getting information, <laughs> which is just yeah. frantically and with no <laughs> no dignity or <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. Trant drives in his car and sees Regina waiting at the bus stop. She's holding Gretchen and looking sad. She's now lost her mother and grandfather in just a few days. He stops to offer her a ride and notices she's holding a dog that looked like Gretchen from his youth. She asks if he thinks the disappearance of Mads and her mother are connected. He's not sure. He asks if he asks her if Claudia ever mentioned anything about an old woman or about him. Regina seemed willing to talk before, but here she shuts down. She's not prepared <laughs> to talk about this topic with Trant. Before he drops her off, he tells her she can count on him if she ever needs help. <laughs> this is an oddball scene, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we go from one it. awkward person to another. <laughs> yeah, right. Like without context, it's super creepy mm-hmm. that this older man is like picking up this young girl at a bus stop 
and offering her a ride. But then with the context of like, you know, this is somebody who's like, I was involved with their mother. It's like, there's a chance I might be her dad maybe. Mm. So with that context, it it's not creepy anymore, but now it's like overreaching and like awkward and weird. Like he doesn't do any, like he doesn't do himself any favors and like the awkwardness department here. So yeah. either with or without context, it's a, it's an oddball of a scene. <laughs> I mean, she, she was actually talking to him a little before she really right. was he, and asking him questions and he could have just, dropped her off at home <laughs> but instead he has yeah. to be like so did your mama ever mention anything about me to you <laughs> and you can see on her face she's just like this is too much please drop me off <laughs> yeah tron he wouldn't she wouldn't shut up about you she talked about you all the time <laughs> oh, what do you want to hear jesus mm -hmm. <laughs> And, and poor Gretchen. Gretchen is not allowed to walk anymore. Like <laughs> this whole episode and last episode, just being carried around. Like <laughs> <laughs> even when they get out of the car, she starts walking and like carrying Gretchen around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This wasn't the life that you... Gretchen's wishing she was back in the cave, probably. <laughs> Somebody put me back Oh, yeah. Here. Okay, back in 2020, we see Claudia in Hellgay's bunker. We see the gas cans, a gas mask, and a few dead rabbits. This is the place. This is the place that Jonas eventually visits in 2053. Mm -hmm. She holds the vial of cesium and begins to talk into a tape recorder. My name is Claudia Tiedemann. I am one of the few survivors of the apocalypse of June 27, 2020. Almost three months have passed since the catastrophe. It's still unclear what led to the events in Winden, but the God particle, if we can stabilize it, maybe is a way back, back to the past. Maybe we can save them, all of them. And this is actually the recording that Jonas played at the beginning of season two as well. So it's, it's another instance where we're getting, in the future, we're getting something from the past. They need to do another show like this. Just do this again. Just refilm mm -hmm. it all. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I, lo I love this. Where you know we we know that this is the tape that Jonas is listening to later. It's great. Mm -hmm. She's holding the sesame in his hand, and I like when she says, "Like you know, you were the survivor, you know, of what happened." Friggin' Clausen. That's what I wrote down here. Clausen happened. It was all Clausen's fault. So I'm going to put the blame squarely on his shoulders, if I may. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then Peter and Elizabeth walk in the rain towards the Conwald house. The Geiger counter begins to go off. This is where Jonas stayed before the apocalypse. Mm. It's now dark and empty, and March's body has been removed. Peter goes to search upstairs. Elizabeth finds all the pictures on the table. In walks teen Noah. She must recognize him from the bunker. This is where I realize, oh yeah, they already know each other. He's not exactly a stranger. She, right, she's, right. Um, yeah. Claudia, Regina, Noah, Pierre, and Elizabeth all survived in the bunker, but they haven't stuck together. Claudia and Regina went to the police station. Peter and Elizabeth in the trailer Noah has been on his own. He tells her he's looking for food. She mentions they are looking for their family members. 
He's very patient with her and allows her to write things on a notepad. She wants to know where he sleeps. He tells her he sleeps in a cave. This makes her smile, and they share a little moment. Peter comes downstairs freaking out. He reminds Noah that they want nothing to do with him, and it's not clear why Peter is so untrusting of Noah. Is he going by the name alone? He tells mm-hmm. Peter that they both want to protect her and that he will when Peter is dead. <laughs> Noah's calm assurance must be very unnerving here. He then nods goodbye to Elizabeth and leaves. Yeah, he reads like a psychopath. That's right. And that sounds like a threat. It really sounds like a threat to me that I'll be taking care of her when you're dead. <laughs> Like, again, just like Trump before, like really weird vibes here, Noah. I can see why Peter (laughs) says stay away Mm -hmm. from us just from his mannerisms. He's a weird dude. It kind of makes you wonder how he became Noah as we know him, who's very charming and able to talk to people and make them trust him. Mm -hmm. This is, yeah, where did he learn to do that? (laughs) I think I know the answer, but I'm not going to say it yet. We'll save that for like episode oh, five or six. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't leave these guys off. We keep going with them all season. Um, the Geiger counter. I wanted to bring that. You mentioned that twice now. Yeah. I wonder if this is like one of the same Geiger counters that Stranger Jonas brought back that Jonas was using, and Peter has like you know found them. At some point. That's kind of what I was wondering. I don't know why else Peter would have Geiger Mm -hmm. counters handy. Yeah, I mean, it could be that it was in the bunker. Like, maybe there were some Geiger counters in the bunker and he took one. Um, I'm not sure how he's using it here because he seems to be, he seems to be carrying it around. Mm -hmm. Um. We know that Charlotte had some had some notes. So, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure what he's using. The, is he why would he be looking for radiation? Is it like to oh, make sure it's safe? Um, OK, yeah. That's my I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I think that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Is just wants to make sure every area he goes in is safe before he goes into it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it was I don't know. It's kind of cute that. They, you know, he makes her smile somehow. I don't know why it's, I don't know why it makes her smile that he sleeps in the cave, but she seems I think to she find that. It's, it's, it's weird. I mean, it's, it's actually a really smart place to stay. And it makes me want, that's what I was wondering. That's my mm-hmm. thought. It came back. Welcome back thought. Um, well, how come Peter and Elizabeth aren't in the bunker? That'd be a good place to live other than a trailer. <laughs> I mean, it's safe. One of the safest places you can be. (laughs) Yeah, I'm guessing because he can't. They don't have like their stove. (laughs) The RV has. Yeah, yeah, the RV also has, you know, uh, like I said, has a stove. They can cook that delicious canned goods that they've been eating. (laughs) That's true. You you have everything you need in an RV. You're absolutely right about that. It's a fairly compact house. It actually is convenient for the situation. So I shouldn't mm-hmm. knock it. <laughs> yeah. Somehow they're still getting power in the RV, and I don't I don't know. Maybe probably a generator um, with gas. Yeah. Because I don't think gas is a, a you know a commodity at this point. Um, 
because those soldiers <laughs> are still driving around with their trucks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish Noah could have, yeah. <laughs> Noah could have gotten to know Peter a little better. I mean, right. Yeah, he really does want only the best for Elizabeth. He's not, he, he really isn't creepy. <laughs> he's close to Elizabeth's age, closer than Peter is. So, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe that's yeah. what Peter's afraid of that <laughs> she'll be closer to him and leave him behind and he won't have anybody. Maybe that, maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. All right. So in 1888, we cut to the Tanhouse factory. Alt Marta sits on the bed. In walks Bartosh. He apologizes for Stranger Jonas's behavior. <laughs> Bartosh is still putty in Marta's hands. She asks how they got here. And Bartosh men mentions that they traveled right as things blew up. Does Bartosh wonder at all why Marta is asking these questions? Because he's just answering them. The machine is now empty of the fuel it needs to power it. Marta then asks about the factory and the man who runs it. Does he know where they are from? In response, Bartosh stands up and tells Marta he wants to show her something. And <laughs> she seems to hesitate before following him. Yeah, it's, all, it's always a weird way to... <laughs> <laughs> to answer somebody's question here come, i'm going to show you something <laughs> very weird bartosh otherwise bartosh is is i think he's doing great here i didn't question this because he knows that she's also a time traveler from another dimension so i you know mm. i think he's very interested to you know connect with somebody else besides the people that he's there with because obviously mm. you know uh francisca and um uh, magnus are you know, into each other. So that kind of leaves him with stranger Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> so he's really happy to have somebody to talk to. Yeah. He doesn't like, you know, we know he and stranger Jonas don't like each other. And then here's Marta, the, the woman that he loved shows up, even if, even though it's not supposed to be her is someone that looks like her. So why not just invite Killian too? I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. So then elsewhere, Stranger Jonas holds the letter from Marta. He's sitting in the room with the old blind man named Gustav Tanhaus. Gustav asks if Alt Marta is also a traveler. He tells Stranger Jonas that when they arrived, it was assigned to him that whatever Alt-Marta means to him, he should not lose sight of their mission to create paradise. That every pain and calamity can be erased. The handle of Gustav's cane says, Sic mundus creatus est. It's interesting to see the man in philosophy who will influence Adama. <laughs> it's super interesting. This is where Sic mundus is, you know, not where it begins, but like, you know, it's, this is a very early iteration of it. Mm -hmm. And he's even talking about paradise and that whole theme continues on like through the 2050s. So, mm -hmm. you know, they kept, they kept, they kept that whole thing going. <laughs> um, yeah. That's great. I love all this.
Yeah, I I wonder how much what exactly he's trying to do. This tan house, this uh, this earlier tan house. Well, he knows about traveling. Yeah. Um and he is looking for like signs. So he's, you know, that kind of person that like, you know, will like see a sign and like take it as meaning something. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a really idealistic individual and, you know, we, well, I'll, I'll let um, Bartosh explain it to us later, but, you know, <laughs> we learned that he's part of this like group of people and, you know, rich, old weirdo with a lot of money and an mm-hmm. interesting philosophy. So yeah, he's acting on it and yeah, we're going to find laboratory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to find out later, but I just always assume that Adam created sick Mundus. So it's just right. interesting to yeah. see like, oh, wait, there was this other person that started it. It might not, it might have become something else, but the idea, mm-hmm. but is that, is his version of paradise the same version that Adam oh. pictures, which is annihilation? <laughs> yeah, Sure, so. but it's almost the same thing. Like Gustav's version of paradise mm-hmm. is that all pain and calamity can be erased. Yeah. I mean, you can look at that the same way. <laughs> okay, in 1987, Katerina enters the psychiatric hospital. She looks flustered and has wetness in her eyes as she approaches the attendant at the front desk. We don't normally see Katerina ever looking flustered, so this is something to behold. <laughs> the woman's name tag reads Helene Albers. Turns out, Katerina's mother... And she's wearing the St. Christopher pendant. The woman looks impatient, but comes forward. Katerina asks to see the man who has been there for 34 years. Helene knows this must be the inspector. She also wonders if she's met Katerina before. She looks familiar. They both look at each other like ghosts. And I wonder if Helene sees the ghost of her teenage daughter in this older woman. I wondered that too at that exact moment because she looks at her like, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Helene also asks if Katerina is a relative of the man. Katerina says that he's her husband. Helene thinks (laughs) Katerina is one of those women who latches on to an inmate because she can't get anyone better. (laughs) Such a (laughs) shitty thing to say. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not something you should say out loud, even if you believe it. Not much of a healthcare (laughs) professional, is she? (laughs) She begins to walk away, telling Katerina she needs to come back tomorrow. But Katerina knows exactly what to say. That's St. Christopher, the patron saint of travelers. He renounced the devil and carried the creator of the world. My mom had one just like that. I've traveled a long way. Let me see him. You have to hand it to Katerina. She knows how to push her mother's buttons. This pendant must mean a great deal to Helene. Also, it makes sense now why Marta knew so much about the coin the day that she and Jonas found it that day on the beach. This is a powerful bit of acting by both women. Absolutely. I don't even know what I can add because that's just... I, this is great. The It kind of explains everything about the necklace, almost. Um, explains a lot about it and why, you know, the story's been handed down now, almost like reluctantly. Mm-hmm. Katerina doesn't like, you know, 
not like she has a great relationship with her mom, but you know, she learns what her mom is into and is able to use it to her advantage here. This is like the perfect thing to say. This is mm -hmm. not Katerina Madwoman, you know, whatever. This is really calculated and really smart. And this is actually thinking on her feet too. Like she didn't come mm -hmm. in here planning to see her mom, did she? I mean, I don't, I think that must've been a surprise or did she kind of already know her mom was going to be there? Wonder if that wonder, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she <laughs> we'll did never know. say when she talked to Martin Doring, she told him, I remember the madman. My mother told me about him. Okay. So now maybe she was expecting it. It might be that she knew, but then, oh yeah. When she comes in the door, there's my mother. I didn't, I didn't think about this, even though I should have remembered. <laughs> but yeah, it just, this, her statement about this, um, these were just like the magic words. As soon as she says them, the woman turns around almost mm -hmm. like it's outside of her will. She can't help mm -hmm. but comply when you bring up this St. Christopher pendant. And I did think it was interesting because in season two, episode six, the the best episode of this of the show, <laughs> um, Marta kind of she tells Jonas that Saint Christopher, the patron saint of travelers, and he kind of looks at her oddly, and she's like, "It's a long story." She, you know, she kind of laughs, and um, but yeah, this is something I bet her mom told her about, and you know, when I was a little girl. My mother, you know, wore this pendant. It was probably, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Like. Mm. <laughs> and she said your favorite words, Dar Commissar. Is that what it is? <laughs> oh, Dar Commissar, yes. <laughs> She's like, Dar Do you know that song by Falco? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you later in the chat. I'm sure mm -hmm. you remember it when you were nine or something. It was a very popular song mm -hmm. <clears throat> when we were like, when we were children. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so Katerina gets to see older Ulrich. She's led into a recreation room where all the patients sit. Ulrich is by himself looking at a chessboard. Katerina sits down across from him and speaks his name. He slowly raises his eyes to her and then can't hold her gaze. Both of them seem to swell with emotions. His hands shake, and she covers them with hers. He's ashamed, but she promises to get him out. While it's not exactly a reconciliation, the two of them extend grace to one another. Yeah, it's neat he's seen like a time-traveling Hannah, you know, way back when, and now he's seeing a time-traveling Katarina coming to him, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this scene was super powerful. Like, I, yeah, I like the way they they interacted here, and like you're right, they they don't really come to like they don't make like a mm -hmm. big grand gesture or anything like that. But it's just wonderful that they you know they're together, inconceivably. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's time to work all that out later, but for right now. I'm gonna get you out, and I'm gonna get our son, and we're gonna go home. That's we can work the rest out later. We can work out our joint visitation um, if we don't reconcile. Right. I also really love Ulrich's sweater here. He's wearing this cardigan. It's interesting. I don't. I can't think of anything significant about it, but it was the blue color. It has these 
a mixture of diamonds and squares on it. It's a very geometric pattern. And again, it's mm. like you sort of, I don't know, I want to go to a thrift store. It's just like when I, the sweater <laughs> they have in everything, everywhere, all at once that that uh, the lead actress wears in that. I'm like, I want that cardigan so bad. And now I kind of want this blue cardigan <laughs> that Ulrich is wearing. When I saw the movie, um, what was it? Baby Driver, maybe? Mm-hmm. And like the lead character wore that jacket with the the eagle on the back of it. Mm-hmm. I, I really wanted that jacket just for, <laughs> I thought it was just the coolest jacket in the world. So I can relate. We need to open our own jacket store, jackets and, and cardigans. <laughs> yep. We'll do recreations of, you know, great television <laughs> and movie jackets. <laughs> okay. At the wind and power plant, Claudia's secretary is ready to sign off for the day. She notices activity in Claudia's old office. Inside she finds the middle-aged unknown rifling through papers in Claudia's mm. desk. She comes forward to stop him. The other two versions surround her. She threatens to call the cops. He then says, <laughs> hell is empty and all the devils are here. He strangles her with a wire just like he did to Burnt. Jasmine does not deserve this. I don't, I, I, I hate this. And this is why the red shirt, because she dies. Boo mm. on you, unknown. He's like, <laughs> I wrote down here, more power plant related mischief. Mm-hmm. He's like getting in all the power plant business here where right. he should not be. And letting his dad and his son watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with Burned, he wanted the keys to the power plant. Mm-hmm. And I think who was here, the first he was just person getting- he killed? I'm trying to remember now. I'm drawing a blank. Who was the first? I'm drawing a blank too. It might've been, he, he went and burnt down the, um, Sigmundus lair and that's it. Then he went and killed burnt. All right. (laughs) Across town, Yana plays with the Ouroboros bracelet on her wrist. Trant comes home and sits down with her on the couch. Yana says he must choose for them or against them. He mentions that he saw Regina today. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't the best thing to say in that moment, but <laughs> neither of them wonder. Uh, ni- sorry, neither of them know who Regina's father is. He agrees that he does need to decide and holds her hand. This is the Nielsen House, formerly the Tiedemann House, a home of broken marriages. Yes. Um, why did he bring up Regina there? (laughs) And I know that she says that she doesn't know who Regina's father is, but he doesn't say that. He just kind of looks at her when she says that, right? Um, no, he says, she's, he says, um, well, Yana mentions, all this time, Claudia never said who the father was. And he says mm-hmm. something like, I've always wondered. So they both kind of muse about it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned that. Oh, why did he break up Regina? I guess mm-hmm. on the one hand, you could say, well, that really wasn't the smartest idea to bring up Regina just then. 
probably really hurt her feelings that that's what you had to say in response. However, yeah. I will also say, on the other hand, part of intimacy is actually sharing feelings, even if they're not the feelings you would want to share. Like he, I don't think he was trying to hurt her, but he just wanted to say like, hey, well, this happened to me today. So he's sharing what happened to him that day um, and why it might be difficult for him to You're just right. okay. forget about Claudia. So I don't know. It was, he could be just being selfish, but on the other hand, he's sharing his feelings. They say like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to just go off for a second, but people have, um, people that have affairs, um, if you're going to, um, get through that process, the other part of it is, you know, the spouse needs to be honest, like, okay, I do kind of, I am missing that person and, um, that's hard for me. So I'm not saying that, that what I did was right, but I'm, I'm also grieving the loss of this person. So I don't know. I kind of felt like he was opening up to her a little bit, even though it also could have been a little insensitive that he could have couched. He could have like responded to her about them first and then mentioned about Regina a little bit later. So maybe just the timing wasn't the best. Right. And he makes it clear by his like body language that he's choosing her mm -hmm. in this moment. So I guess we can feel okay about that. <laughs> yeah. Although he doesn't really have a choice because Claudia is gone. <laughs> Let's not give him that. too much of a free pass. <laughs> he could just leave town. <laughs> yeah. Go to France. Um, okay. So then back in 2020, Regina lies on her cot at the police station. It's thunderstorming fiercely in walks Trant. Regina thinks it's Claudia at first. She calls him by name. He covers his hand with hers and tells her he's sorry, but it has to happen. He begins to tear up. She said this was the only way to save you. He covers her face with a pillow and smothers her. And this moment powerfully juxtaposes Trant's suspicion that he's related to Regina with his choice to murder her. Yeah, same guy from the last scene that we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can see this as a mercy. Like, there's nothing else they can do for her. At the same time, like, I'm not sure this was his choice. Because you say somewhere about, like, how it's, like, um, you know, his choice to murder her. But he he references... She said to do this, or she said right. this was the only way to save you. So I assume that he's talking. First off, it's a surprise that he's here, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're not expecting that. Um, but we also know out there in this same world, in this same time period, is uh, middle aged Claudia. So I think that's the she that he's referring to. Like she right. didn't have the strength to like give her a mercy killing like this. So she asks Trant to do it. So I think we're just mm -hmm. wondering who she is. Yeah. Because we and haven't like, yeah, that, seen. That's my first yeah. thought is yeah. that it's middle-aged Claudia. Cause who else is he talking about? Elizabeth? <laughs> Did you do this? Elizabeth? <laughs> you scampy little girl. Come on. 
Because, you know, she's down the street, too. Remember? Right. But it could have been Eva. <laughs> it could have been anybody. Sure. It doesn't. Yeah. I yeah, forgot so about the I Eva think, part yeah. and the time traveling part, too. <laughs> we can't forget their time traveling. But I guess what's what's chilling about this is, you know, Yana makes a statement. You need to um, you need to choose them or you know, for them. And part of that, them, Claudia, is with Burkina. And so he kind of, his he's deciding, I'm going to stay with my wife. And then, then the next thing we see is he's killing the child of the woman that he's been obsessed with. So it's not, it's just kind of a powerful <laughs> image that, he does this as a younger self. He says, um, you know, I'm going to choose my family. And then we see him strangling this woman with a pillow. And you're like, you can't help but connect those two events. Even though yeah. you do you do see this is difficult for him. He doesn't want to do this. He's not like right, coming right. over. It's not a revenge, a revenge <laughs> killing. But yeah. Clearly not. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat how it all ties in and dark as a show, kind of like you watch it in a much more similar way to like reading a book, I would say. Like dark would work wonderfully like on the written page as mm -hmm. like, you know, a, a, a three-part novel or I'm sorry, like a trilogy or whatever. I think it would work great because that's kind of how I feel when I'm watching dark is that like I'm <laughs> reading mm -hmm. a neat book. Yeah, you're just kind of in awe. I feel like you're in awe of of the writing when you're watching it. You're yeah. just like, I can't believe yes. <laughs> that anybody put this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we're heading towards the we're heading towards the final quarter of this thing. All right, so elsewhere, yeah. Peter looks for some canned dinner for him and Elizabeth. She stares at the notepad with Noah's messages. She wants oh. to know. Oh, he wants to know. Oh, wait, no, no, she. I, I did. That wasn't a typo. She wants to know what the two of them talked about because when they were having their conversation, Noah and Peter, when they were having that, right. she couldn't tell what they were saying because they were looking at each other. She wasn't able to read the lips, so you can tell she's like. So what did you guys talk about? <laughs> he, <laughs> she doesn't know this part about when you're dead. Ha ha ha. She doesn't know about that part. <laughs> right. Um, Elizabeth feels upset that Peter isn't telling her what's going on. He's the only person she has right now, and he's treating her like a child. Of course, to him, she is a child. But we have to remember that Elizabeth has no one else, and her status as a deaf person makes her a social out outcast to most people. She shows him the sick Mundus journal. She's not stupid. Where are mom and Francisca? She pushes him hard. She's now crying. He tries a gentler approach. So far, he's just been ignoring the questions he didn't want to answer. He tells her they will find them. One thing that's very sweet is that Elizabeth has been wearing Francisca's sweater that we saw her wear in episode one with the bird or the eagle on the sweater mm -hmm. at the very first episode. Yeah, a lot of emotion here. And Elizabeth, you know, you're really feeling for her a lot. Um, I know I am. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, what you said about her status as a deaf person, just like with our man, um, Gustav Tanhouse, 
I think that being her being deaf, I think makes her a little more observant than your average kid would be. And mm-hmm. they grow up with like a different just perspective of the world. So I do think that, yeah, she yeah. is a kid. She's feeling a lot of pain, but she's also older than her years. A few years, a few years older than her years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. She, before she could talk to Peter, Charlotte, Francisca, and the kids and teachers at her school. So she wasn't completely isolated And what's sweet about Noah, I feel, is that he has already, to prepare himself, he has already worked on communicating with a deaf person. I mean, that's why he's so patient with her. I don't think he's quite, seems to have learned sign language exactly, but he does make an effort to talk to her much better than anybody we've seen, like an average person that would just come up. You tend to like you tend to just talk really loud or something. So he doesn't do anything stupid. He's genuinely making an effort to talk to her. And I think that's why she ends up going to him. Like she notices that he's treating her in a deferential way and with respect. Okay. Yeah. About that. Yeah. Okay. So I think Noah's hot, so I have to stick up for him. Okay. Um, Even though he's a creep. (laughs) September 22nd, 2053. (laughs) Inside the Wyndon Caves, Charlotte touches the photos of her as a baby with Elizabeth and Noah as her parents. So now we know that touching fingers with Elizabeth brought her to the future. Yes. Elizabeth comes into the caves too. There are other people there. She sits down next to her mother slash daughter. (laughs) Charlotte gets up. Their relationship seems a little strained, but Elizabeth tells her it will be okay. And they touch foreheads. I don't know if the relationship is strained, but I I mean, they're totally different people from totally different backgrounds elizabeth has like been through hell for the past 30 years of her life or you know 20 years i should say um so i don't think it's a string with each other i think like you said they touch foreheads they're still like acknowledging the mother-daughter thing and i wrote here (laughs) do we already know this question mark that that episode has happened right where they like hammered it over our heads that they are intertwined as like a perpetual mother-daughter or is that yeah it was in the last it was in the um well we know that elizabeth is charlotte's mother um because they show us that in the last episode of season two right yeah the pictures right so yeah Mm -hmm. okay i'm just making sure that i'm not getting ahead of myself no (laughs) because i'm like yeah we already we already we already know this are we spoiling something here Um, And I guess why I said they feel strained is because Elizabeth comes in and she's definitely looking at her mother and trying to sort of gauge like how she's feeling. And Charlotte's just kind of looking down and not making eye contact. And she gets up as if she's going to walk out of the room. There's a there's a little bit of a disconnect. But then um, Elizabeth seems to bring her back and they do this thing where they touch foreheads which is really cute because that's what they did when we saw them at the school and charlotte dropped her off and she was wearing the little Mm -hmm. fox hat they touched the Mm -hmm. forehead so it's their 
little thing and that seems to that seems to bring them together but charlotte was acting a little weird and i'm sure she's feeling a little disconcerted about everything (laughs) but um yeah okay i'll just um i'll chalk it up to you being a woman and being able to read their emotions better than i because i didn't i didn't sense the tension and those um intricacies that you were talking about so um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> um, all right. We then cut to 1987. T. Katerina sits at the kitchen table doing her homework. She listens oh. to Is This Love by Survivor. What is that? <laughs> it's Hopper throwing his bone around. He wants attention tonight. I thought it was my cat. I was like, no. what is going on? He's in the room with you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I can edit out most of the noises with him. <laughs> okay. Like while you're talking, I can completely edit everything he does out. <laughs> okay. She listens to Is This Love by Survivor. Her mom's come behind comes behind her and smacks her upside the head hard. Mm. What was her crime exactly? <laughs> exactly. She then tells her to clear the table. Her voice is shaking with rage. She's flustered by what happened at work, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Katerina steals one more worried glance at her mother as she cleans up her homework. This is a harsh one. Like, yeah, a little peek inside their relationship. Like, it's not a good one. Mm-hmm. And we see where the head slap comes from in the mm-hmm. Ulrich family. The Ulrich family, this, this family, the Nielsen family. It comes from Katerina. Like her mom did this to her when she was a kid. So when she had children, she was like, oh, I'm going to do that to my kids too, except for in an affectionate way, you mm-hmm. know, because she's a little, she's a little um, rough with Mickle sometimes. And I remember you would be like, oh, she's a, kind of an intense mom. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, she's funny. I think what it is is like, yeah, she's remembering like how she was raised and trying not to mirror that, but putting her own spin on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you're right too about work. I think maybe she's, (laughs) it's directly related to the fact that she let some woman in when she shouldn't have, and she's beating herself up about it and then comes in the house and takes it out on Katerina who is the woman that she let in <laughs> when mm-hmm. she wasn't supposed to at work. Um, yeah. Yeah. But she just is comes the survivor in that does the song. Yeah. I looked it up survivor. Okay. And no, this is not love. What, uh, what Helene does to Katarina is not love. <laughs> That's right. The song is a question and she answers it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then our montage begins. The track is yes. Broken Sleep by Agnes Obel. We bring back Agnes Obel again. Like Katerina her. looks at Ulrich one last time. Middle-aged Claudia comes back home to find Regina dead. Elsewhere, oh. teen Regina looks at the photo of herself with Claudia. Alexander sits next to her to comfort her. Teen Alexander, this is. Right. Trant looks at his wife and as she lays in his lap. Elizabeth touches the paper that Noah held, a wisp of connection with another human. Noah lifts rocks in the cave. (laughs) 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 
uh, they have to they have to show him doing something, and he's just I guess he's working on the sick Mundus tunnel, getting an early start on that bad boy. <laughs> Back to work. Yeah, <laughs> he knows this place. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Stranger Jonas comes into Marta's bedroom to find her gone. Alt Marta. Bartosh leads Alt Marta to what will be the elevator shaft going down to the sick Mundus lair. Now that's our last scene of the show, so I want to back up and just um. Uh, know, no, it's not the last episode. It's not the last scene of the show. Oh right, but this I just wanted to to mention some of the montage people before we move on to the meat of the scene with Bartosh here. Sure. Um, let's see. What did I want to bring up? Oh, um, because you are in tune with our ladies here, I want to ask you um a woman question. Mm-hmm. When Claudia came in and found Regina, did she have like surprise? Was that part of her emotion as well? Surprise or was it just grief? Or do you remember? I don't think she expected Regina to be dead. So okay, I Okay, that's interesting. Grief and surprise, both. All right. Got to establish that. And glad that Ale- young Alexander's back. He's like a fan favorite, Steve favorite too. <laughs> so I'm glad he was there to um, help out Regina when she's young anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any other um, comments about these folks. Did you? No, it's it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a funny, I don't know, this one's kind of a funny montage. It's just not much happens. It's more of a transition, I feel like, than anything. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they walk downstairs. This is Bartosh and Alt Marta. He takes mm-hmm. her to see, to the Sigmund Slayer before they acquired the Fall of the Dam painting because there's just this Triketra symbol mm-hmm. on almost like a chalkboard, it looks like, but I, I could mm-hmm. be wrong about that. The room looks more like a church with rows of chairs. Marta looks around curiously. She glances at a spot on the floor. She asks Bartosh about the room. He tells her it's a secret lodge that old Tenhouse's father was convinced that he could override the rules of space and time. The group tried to build a time machine and Gustav is the only member left. Jonas is trying to rebuild things the way he remembers them. He came here in a different time, 1921, and Bartosz then asks about the name Adam. Who is Adam? Bartosz knows that Adam killed Marta, so he's told them, Stranger Jonas has told them, Bartosz, Magnus, and Francisca, part of the truth, but not all. Martha spills the beans that Jonas is Adam. Nice. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's got to blow Bartosh's mind there because he doesn't know. So it's fun to find out along with him. And this tells us the true origins of Sigmundus. Like he lays it out for us here. Um, why Gustav is involved and who he's been involved with. Mm-hmm. If Dark had continued season four, it would be so cool to go back to <laughs> 1855, which would be 33 years before 88. And, um, you know, sit in on one of those guys' meetings and hear them talk and pontificate about what could be. And 
I don't know. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and so we were just talking about before that, oh, Sigmunda started with Gustav. Well, it turns out, no, apparently there's somebody before Gustav. Right. So who's this father? Uh <laughs> yeah. I, I want to know too. Go back to 1855 or maybe 1822. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to go back even further, I mean, let's keep doing it, please. <laughs> this show is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I look uh, while we're still in 1888, before we leave yeah. 1888. Um I went past one of my earlier notes, but I'm going to go back to it now cuz I looked up what was occurring in 1888. Like in Germany at that time, um, well, Europe specifically, uh, Jack the Ripper was around like right around this time. They found like three bodies that were later attributed to um, Jack the Ripper. And also 1888 was the year that Germany got involved in football. So maybe, um, maybe Stranger Jonas can try out for the Germany football Bulldogs. They were called the Bulldogs. Maybe Jonas could be a good Bulldog. I think he would. Make a good oh, Bartosh, hell yeah! And Magnus, can you imagine him <laughs> being like a quarterback <laughs> or something? A running back is what he would be, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm not a football person, honestly. But what, are you a football person? I am not. Yeah, me neither. Good. Charlotte is. She puts on like face paint and stuff to go to football games. <laughs> like, that's my child. Anyway, <laughs> we got one more scene to get to. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we then warp to world two. Old Eva sits in her version of the sick Munda Slayer. She cool. says, we don't know our end, but our end knows us. She's talking to teen Jonas. We can indulge in the illusion of free will, but we cannot escape our ultimate destiny. She's got her own grand painting called Adam and Eve by Albrecht Durach. Laid on the floor is an elaborate family tree with an infinity knot in the center. She tells him that their two worlds are different, but they converge at the same moment. Jonas believed a world without him would be better, but they all still die. The apocalypse happens in her world, too, in three days, in fact. Jonas oh. looks up in horror. He's like, what are we doing sitting around here then? Shouldn't we be stopping it? I just came from an apocalypse and I get to go to another one in three days time. That means what? Episode five and six. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now we've reached the end of the episode, Steve. Yeah, this last scene was very cool. I like how Dark will do this. So they'll throw you a curveball at the last scene. We have to remember that anytime we see Jonas in World 2, Stranger Jonas does not remember going to World Two, so he doesn't remember this. He doesn't remember this conversation either mm -hmm. that they're having. So I think that's something we got to kind of keep tucked in the back of our minds. Um, this family tree thing is awesome. The family tree between the two worlds, and there's like an infinity knot in the center that ties those worlds together. But then, like, you look at all the names, and they're all mirrored. But then, of course, you know, Jonas's name is missing in one of them. And, you know, different family trees. I, I love looking at pictures of that stuff and just can look at it all day. 
mm-hmm. when we were talking about proximity earlier, like how Peter and Elizabeth are like in Bernadette's trailer and where the bunker is in relation to that, in relation to the nuclear power plant, I still really want to see a map of Wyndon an overhead view so I can get a good look at how far things are from other things and how things connect. Um, I have yet to find that it doesn't exist. So I guess we have to make it if we want it to happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, overall, I think my overall thoughts about this episode are that it was a lot more enjoyable this time around just because I was able to slow down and understand things a lot better because I think, and we, we talked about what many of those moments were, but there were several moments in the episode where you're not, <laughs> it doesn't really make sense what you're seeing. And so then when you're able to slow down, you can go, okay, this is why Katarina's here. Mm-hmm. Where are Ina's and Mikkel and, just making sense of where everybody is in the episode. Because this episode does jump around a lot. It jumps between worlds. It jumps between times. And like the the scene when we see Mad's grave, it took me a bit to go, which world is this? Is mm-hmm. this the world that... <laughs> because we saw the other Mads showed up in World 2 and they actually buried a body but then they mentioned there is no body so you're like okay then this (laughs) but you know when they're dropping those facts it's you're not able to calibrate them in your mind at the time to um make sense of it yeah and we still haven't calibrated um why tronk showed up older tronk and suffocated regina that's kind of out of the blue that hasn't been resolved yet so, yeah. you know, I don't want anybody to walk away thinking that that is, you know, that's answered because it's not answered yet. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, we sort of, we sort of talked about that and maybe we shouldn't. But yeah, that's in my questions that Trant said she told him he needed to kill Regina. Who is mm-hmm. she? We don't really know in this episode who that is. Right. Yeah, I had a lot of fun yeah. with this one too. More fun than I probably should. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. I mean, um mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say. I think I think it's obvious I'm enjoying this. I tell you when I don't like something and I'm very sincere. <laughs> so every time like you read a paragraph and I'm like, I loved it. I mean, it's, it's because it's true. And sometimes yeah. I don't always have a thoughtful thing to say afterwards other than that I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the other two things on my questions list that I think I'll pull out is that Martha looks at this spot on the floor, just like Jonas did. Yeah. What happens on the spot? I think that's interesting. And then Jonas did, did Jonas actually tell Martha how to find them? Martha says, Jonas told me. So there's possible lies being spread right and left all over the place. Sure. Yeah. We don't know if maybe she's, she could be telling the truth there. We don't know mm-hmm. because it could be the Jonas that's in currently in her world. Cause she did kind of do a little mm-hmm. switcheroo with them. And yeah. you brought up another like, um, mystery to keep in our back pockets too. Uh, oof. And then I just lost it again. Always another mystery to about the forget. broken nose. Ulrich's broken nose. I'll want to know <laughs> that till the day I die. It's right up there with, uh, with Waller's eye. <laughs> yeah. 
and like they left it a mystery intentionally, like yeah. <laughs> just to mess with us. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I'm going to go into who I liked and didn't like in this episode. Um, I'll start with who um, who I liked the least. Okay. And once again, it's the murderer. It's the unknown <laughs> killing Jasmine. He got his he got his pages there. Remember, you said he went to get the key from Burnt and then killed him. Then he went into mm-hmm. Claudia's old office and grabbed some notebooks and stuff. That's what he was there for. Mm-hmm. So he really didn't have to kill Jasmine. Didn't have to do it. So bad on you, unknown. She showed <laughs> up. She showed up and saw him. So it wasn't. I don't think he would have killed her if she hadn't have walked in on them. So it wasn't like he was out <laughs> oh, to kill yeah. Jasmine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trained to like Jasmine because she's like, you know, if you feel bad for her as much as Claudia craps on her. So yeah. I'm just trained to be defensive of her. <laughs> How about you? Who's your least? Okay, Steve. Well, the person I'm going to name is much worse than that old stinky unknown. Okay. And, you know, I thought maybe he wouldn't get the vote because he would be so intrigued by his quotes, but I guess not. <laughs> but the my least favorite character is, of course, going to be Helene Albers smacking Katarina oh. around the head. Okay. And being... <laughs> saying insulting things to a stranger that she's a hospital worker and she comes in and says, oh, you're one of those people who just wants to marry a psychopath because you can't get anybody else. Yeah, a systematic abuser is just as bad as a murderer. So, I mean, <laughs> good call. We'll keep them both side by side. That's, that's <laughs> How about your favorite? Who, who, who you liking a lot this episode? Well, I think I'm going to have to give my episode favorite award to Katarina. Okay. Even though I think she's making some very silly decisions in the way she's walking into the prison (laughs) and going, hey, (laughs) hey, you, (laughs) and grabbing people at school, (laughs) grabbing children at school. (laughs) Um. She, her episode, just what she does is so cool. Going to the school, trying to follow the clues, going to the psychiatric hospital, getting that, uh, getting her mother the bitch to like, (laughs) to allow her to get to see Ulrich. Just knowing those magical words and the way she is so gracious to Ulrich. Here's the, here's a man that cheated on her and she has no malice in her heart towards him she's she's just ready to extend grace to him so i just appreciated her strength and her kindness i guess Uh, both of those facets are things i really admire about her all right i was gonna say the exact same thing um yeah by a landslide i think she's the most intriguing character this episode i mean there was lots of intrigue happening but she was the one that intrigued me the most too, and I I thought nailed it the best. So yeah, I'm a cat man myself too. <laughs> and you know, I don't know. You talked about how you think like you know, the younger version of Noah is kind of hot. I think the world two version of uh, Katarina's pretty dope myself. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, vote. honorable mention to T Noah this episode because 
he made elizabeth smile with his cave hole his like his (laughs) cave home (laughs) i I think i'm realizing now i think the reason that she thinks it's funny is because he's like a caveman he's (laughs) She's like, he's gone back to prehistoric times. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that's funny. I well, the word is funny that. too. Like, I know that's it's for them. It's a German word, but the word, the German word for cave is hole. I don't know if you saw that. It's H O H L E. He wrote yes. hole, and it just looked. It just was just a funny word to like. Yeah, maybe maybe that's one of those words that like people chuckle about in Germany when they say it because it sounds funny. Like we have those words in English, you know, like moist. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'm going to get into some feedback, feedback now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, go ahead, Steve. Okay. I got feedback from. Well, first off, I should give a shout out to Dylan. Dylan's always checking in with us and saying, hey, and he definitely liked um, Lindsay's team better than mine when we made our time travel teams. I don't know if we discussed that last week or not, but um, it's true, Dylan. Her team's better. But if we do that again, my team will be better. But (laughs) I promise you that. Um, But we had lots of of thoughts from Tash. Tash from uh, South Africa writes in again. Should she say South Africa or South America? It was South Africa, right? South Africa. Okay, yeah. I don't want to get her country wrong. Like, I get other stuff wrong. (laughs) All right. So she says, first off, I didn't notice this immediately, and it took a lot of rewinding. Oh, let me first off say, Tash is referring to Season 3, Episode 1. These are Mm -hmm. her observations from last week's episode. Mm -hmm. She didn't notice, but... Uh, it appears that the scenes in World 2 were filmed normally and then edited later to be flipped mirrored. Absolutely. I think we talked about that last episode, did we? Mm-hmm. Did we yes. mention that? Okay. Um, that's why Martha 2's bed was pushed up against the opposite side of the wall. Only it isn't. World 2 mirrors World 1. S- um, such a small detail, but it adds so much. She says everything, including the characters' faces, are flipped. So if somebody has like a divot on the left side of their face, it's on the right side of their face in in the other world. Um, She gives an example. She's fascinated about this process, by the way. So she gives an example. Picture yourself in the kitchen facing the stairs in the entrance to the Conwald house. Just did it. In World 1, the entrance to the house was always on the left-hand side of the screen, and the foot of the stairs was always on the right side of the screen. World 2 completely opposite francisca climbs out of the window in this world just as ulrich did in season one episode one and this episode she climbs down the left side of the house while in season one episode one ulrich climbs on the right side of the house now we did notice that parallel but i did Mm. not notice the opposite effect so (laughs) thank i'm glad she brought that up again um martha scar and the strap of the bag is on one side in world one. And as she travels to world two, it's on the other side. And here we go. The unknown character, the direction of his cleft lip changes between worlds. Does that, I didn't notice that. So I got to pay closer attention to that. <laughs> Clear milk bottles instead of brown milk bottles. 
That's what? I didn't notice that either. What? <laughs> I don't. I'm not following like the milk that. Bo- like the milk bottle, they sniff when they come out when they come downstairs. In World Two, it's clear instead of brown. Um, she says Martha. Martha, of course, mirrors Jonas. Um, she misses Houdini Mickle. <laughs> um, she doesn't like the black hair and the tattoos. You're in the minority there, Tash, because we love Magnus's black hair. And ta- I want to get back to World Two and and talk to Magnus some more. Um, she says the rotating camera in the kitchen of the former Conlaw house is reminiscent of how we're introduced to the Nielsens in season one, episode one. She mentions how Wyndon is foggier and creepier in World Two. While World One and Wyndon is clearer, but mostly rainy. <laughs> um, the colors of the window and door frames in the school in World One are yellow. In World Two, they're black. I didn't notice that. Did you? Um, I need to look back, but I believe the outside of the school in World Two is actually red, which is interesting. And I didn't not. It's another mm-hmm. thing that I did not bring up. Yeah, she's talking about the the doors to the school. But yeah, the school itself was red. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she says that right here. I think the school in World 2 could be very big on theater and art in general. And this is why a lot of the students, oh, are dressed in costumes. There's an excessive amount of play posters on the wall that say School Theater Week. She says Ulrich is a scumbag in World 2 as well. No surprise there. Hannah's pregnant, all caps, three question marks. <laughs> this cannot be Jonas, however. Mikkel never travels back to the past, so Jonas does not exist in this world. This must be what old Claudia was referring to in season two, episode six. She tells Jonas that she doesn't... Wait. She tells Jonas that she's seen the world where Jonas doesn't exist. So we're back around to that. Um, Ulrich still says he doesn't love Hannah back. Um, two chairs on the right side instead of one. What? <laughs> she hates the mullet of Bartosh. She has a little hattie face emotion, like, uh, I mean, emoji. So she doesn't want to look at Bartosh's mullet. Um, she questions whether Killian and Eric were always brothers, which you confirmed they were. Um, Charlotte appears to be more feminine, which we like that. Like she pays more attention to her appearance and we see why later on. Um, I probably should have proofread this first because I'm going on for a very long time. I'm going to move on to her, her favorite and her least favorite characters were. Um, oh, here we go. This is interesting. I can't get past this one because I like it. The reason that Martha 2 sees Martha 1 covered in the black liquid, which I'm assuming is the God particle, is because she is very in tune with and feels Martha 1 just as you mentioned in your recap. It's why she has this feeling of deja vu. The same way that Mickle 2 can also feel Mickle 1 and why they both have nightmares. So now for favorite character, she says Jonas. We both agreed it's Jonas. The whole world agreed that <laughs> the best character of that episode was Jonas, I think. Oh, wait, I'm thinking of season two, episode six. But she says season three, episode one, Jonas was her favorite. Um, she says Louis Hoffman keeps getting better and better. Beautiful. Um, her least favorite Ulrich too. So yeah, nobody's like an Ulrich in either world. And yeah, that was our 
recap corner from Tash from last episode. And I think she's going to keep on writing us some, uh, some feedback coming up. You have feedback too, that you got on uh, one of my stories, right? Uh, well, I have a question and then I have a feedback also. So the question was actually left about season two, episode two. So it's a little bit of an old question, but I thought it was a good question that I hadn't noticed either. Um, He mentions, or they mention, whoever, the person who wrote this, a bit confused as to how it's five days until the apocalypse in 1987 wasn't the apocalypse in 2020. So during the episode, there's a scene that happens and it's in 1987, and it, but it says five days until the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So here's how I answered that question. I'd love fear. I'd love to hear how you would answer it too, Steve. Okay. So I said the apocalypse happens chronologically in 2020. I'm guessing that this five days until the apocalypse means that. Sorry, five days into the apocalypse marker means that across the timeline loop, it's five days until the apocalypse. For instance, middle-aged Claudia is from 1987. Yes, she travels with Jonas to 2020 and encounters the apocalypse. So also the actual explosion, even though the actual explosion happens in 2020, it is triggered in 1987. We Mm -hmm. don't see this in the show until season three. But when things happen, they happen across all timelines. When we see the apocalypse occur at the end of season two, things happen in each time period. So they are using this to give us a sense of how close we are to that event. It's an omnipresent view to time travel as if we are God. So remember when the apocalypse happened, we saw Francis, older Francisca and Magnus pulling a lever in 1921. We saw things happening in 1987. We saw things happening in 2020. So even though these things are divided by 33 years, all these people, they're doing this whole, I feel like they're doing it five days into the apocalypse because they're also following the calendar year. So we see like September 22nd in 1987. It's also September 22nd in 2020. So I thought it was a great question for them to say, um, five days until the apocalypse, but it's in 1987. And I did go, I did go back to that episode to watch it to say, like, okay, what are they remembering this correctly? Is what I had in my recap, but also it is what they wrote uh, five days until the apocalypse, even though it's 1987. So it, yes, technically it's five days and 33 years. Mm-hmm. Does it is this making sense um, to you? What I'm saying? Do you agree with me, or do you see that differently? No, especially the very last thing you said. That was mm-hmm. what that's the same thing I was going to say. Mm-hmm. It's a 33-year cycle and the apex of that cycle is the apocalypse. Right. So even even though we are in 1987 timeline, it's 5 days until that 33-year cycle reaches its apex, whether mm-hmm. it's 1954, 87, etc. Like every 33 years you're going to get five days until the apocalypse and then it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. But for, yeah, for Claudia, she time traveled to 2020. And so as she got closer to it, she was in another time period. So for someone like Claudia, 
it was five days even though she traveled. So yeah, it's just it was a yeah. little it was a great question though. Well, I think yeah, it's kind of made murky, like you were saying yeah. about how Magnus throws the switch because mm-hmm. like a lot of significant things happen during that apex and they always kind of have to happen, it seems. They're perpetuated to happen. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, we're just we're just repeating that same cycle every thirty three years, and every time period is within its own thirty three year cycle. Mm-hmm. And then in the dark ways group, we had somebody chime in about um, the the episode. That it was heartbreaking. Ted Shaw is the person's name. It was heartbreaking when Marta says to Jonas, I'm not your Marta. That actually happened. Um, that actually happened in episode one, but then we do see Stranger Jonas telling Bartosh, Francisca, and Magnus, Oh, by the way, this isn't Marta. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he said that that was really sad, and I agreed with him. And then he said, um, that that was the moment that he became Adam inside, which I don't agree with. And we we put a discussion thread on Facebook that there's a few other things that happen. He's not quite atomized here, <laughs> but he is. He does. Um, he does get crushed because you see mm-hmm. him absolutely deflate when. He sees Marta. He's so happy to see her. He touches her face. And then she's like, I'm not your Marta. And then you see him just deflate like a balloon. Yeah. Like what? Another thorn in my back now. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm confused yet again is what he's thinking. Yeah. Oh, were you? It. Um. Okay. I didn't know if you were going to read any of our response comments because we both had different ideas of where. Um, Adam, Adam's, what do you call it? His some of these, story. yeah, <laughs> some of these might be spoilers to, to talk about. Oh, that's right. Mine are for sure. Yeah. And mine, mine really are too. Um, but I think we can all agree that the, the, the journey from Jonas to Adam has many pit stops along the way. Um, some of them, which we've already seen, like one that you mentioned, Steve, is that Marta getting killed in front of Jonas is mm-hmm. definitely one of those key events. Um, so, yeah, but it is it, it is sad. Um, this this moment is sad. I agree with Ted about that. And we were excited to get a comment in the Dark Ways group about our <laughs> about our upcoming recording too. Yeah, heck yeah. Well, we got an upcoming recording next week as well, but I think we're ramping down for this week. Um, yeah, do you have any uh, any plugs or any final thoughts for us, Lindsay? Plugs and final thoughts. Um, well, I have publish anatomy of a fall and the holdovers double feature review i am in process Mm -hmm. i need to finish editing the hunger games movie and the new napoleon so hopefully those Mm. will be out very soon i'm interested to see napoleon um i watched the killer wasn't fully impressed with it Mm -hmm. but it was a fun (laughs) it was okay it was fun good soundtrack 
Yeah, um, wasn't a complete waste of time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And <laughs> that's not really high praise, is it? <laughs> well, I mean, some movies you're like, why did I waste time watching that? Uh -huh. There's a million things to watch, but I feel like it's always good to see a David Fincher movie. I know I don't feel like right. I wasted my time. It was interesting. I thought it was entertaining enough. It's not. It's not going to win any awards. Um, one knows? more maybe I don't know. <laughs> one more shout out though is that if you want to see August Deal, who plays the middle aged unknown in a completely different role, mm -hmm. of course there's all the light you cannot see, but he's playing a Nazi, so he's again a bad guy. He just has other lines besides quotes. But you could also watch a Hidden Life, which is a Terrence Malick picture, beautiful. Mm where he plays an, a conscientious objector from Austria who refuses to swear allegiance to Hitler. He was in the war in World War I, and then when World War II starts, he finds he just can't. He's more than happy to go to the front and fight for his country, but he doesn't want to swear allegiance to Hitler. And based mm. on that principle... He refuses to do that, and so he has to keep standing up for his values, even though everybody in his town and community and eventually the government are all against him and trying to get him to mm. just just say these words. Why does it really matter? Mm -hmm. But he decides to stand up. So it's a very mm -hmm. different role for him and quite surprising because I've seen this movie before, but I wouldn't have been able to get from watching Dark that this was the same character. He almost looks like... <laughs> His face looks like completely different. And of course, he has the cleft lip and all that mm -hmm. <laughs> facial disfigurement. But he's he plays a very kind, gentle farmer in this in this movie. So cool. it's a very against type. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, I know he's not a terrible guy. He just plays a terrible character. That's all. And <laughs> yeah, I got my new thing now for you. I can listen to his quotes and I can also look for his cleft lip. And see, like, which side which it's on. <laughs> yeah, so there'll be new things to distract myself when <laughs> he comes on screen. Well, I guess um, I don't have any really plugs this week. It's Thanksgiving week, so we'll be concentrating on that. And I hope everybody enjoyed listening to this for your Thanksgiving time. Um, I guess my closing thoughts. Uh, I had one that went away, Lindsay. That's happening a lot this episode. <laughs> this dog is distracting me. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to plug you, your website, one of my stories. You might be listening to this on the one of my stories podcast. And if that's the case, check out her written recaps because you pick the best images to go along with these, um, with the show. A lot of times when I look up images for the shows, I'll like just type in dark season three, episode two, and then the character I want to look at a picture of. A lot of times it leads me right to your website. Well, I think <laughs> the algorithm like knows that I go mm -hmm. to your website frequently, yeah. but yeah, you, I mean, your picture, your photos that you choose are the best ones and they're a good clarity. So they make for good, like, uh, you know, good picks, do it up. <laughs> <laughs> you can make, you can make memes with them if you want to. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I've done with them. <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. Cool. Appreciate the plug. Right on. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Lindsay. I hope you have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving, Steve. And I hope you find water and shade and whatever 
Thanksgiving side dish you like the best. Okay. Oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's mashed potatoes. Um, okay. Yeah. Awesome. And for you and all the listeners, I hope you all found water and shade and shoes. Bye. Bye-bye.